Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about cystic fibrosis. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com slash cysticfibrosis or in the respiratory section of the Zero to Finals pediatrics book. So let's get straight into it. Cystic fibrosis or CF is an autosomal recessive genetic condition that affects the mucous glands. It's caused by a genetic mutation of the cystic fibrosis transmembrane conductance regulator gene on chromosome 7. And there are many variants of this mutation and the most common is the delta F508 mutation. This gene codes for cellular channels, particularly a type of chloride channel. Around 1 in 2,500 children have cystic fibrosis and about 1 in 25 people in the UK are carriers of the mutation. The key consequences of the cystic fibrosis mutation are thick pancreatic and biliary secretions that cause blockage of the ducts and this results in a lack of digestive enzymes such as pancreatic lipase in the digestive tract low volume thick airway secretions that reduce airway clearance resulting in bacterial colonization and susceptibility to airway infections and congenital bilateral absence of the vas deferens in males Patients generally have healthy sperm, but the sperm have no way of getting from the testes to the ejaculate, and this results in male infertility. A quick Tom tip for you. Cystic fibrosis is a very common exam topic and a favourite of examiners to test your knowledge of genetic inheritance. Remember that cystic fibrosis is autosomal recessive, and a popular scenario in your exams is that both parents are healthy One sibling has cystic fibrosis and a second child does not have the disease and your task is to find out the likelihood of the second child being a carrier. Normally, the inheritance of an autosomal recessive condition for a new child is that there's a 1 in 4 chance of them having the condition, a 1 in 4 chance of them not having the mutation and then a 2 in 4 chance of them being a carrier. However, in this scenario, we know the patient doesn't have cystic fibrosis. Therefore, there's a 2 in 3 chance that they're going to be a carrier. So how does cystic fibrosis present? Well, cystic fibrosis is screened for at birth with a newborn blood spot test. So this is often when the condition is picked up. Meconium ileus is often the first sign of cystic fibrosis. The first stool that a baby passes after they're born is called meconium. And this is usually black and should be passed within 24 hours of birth. In about 20% of patients with cystic fibrosis, the meconium is thick and sticky, which causes it to get stuck and obstruct the bowel. And this is called meconium ileus and is practically pathognomonic for cystic fibrosis. Meconium ileus presents with not passing meconium in the first 24 hours and the patient may also have abdominal distension and vomiting. If cystic fibrosis is not diagnosed shortly after birth, it can present later in childhood with typical signs and symptoms, recurrent lower respiratory tract infections, failure to thrive, or pancreatitis. So what are the typical symptoms? Patients will have a chronic cough, thick sputum productions from their chest, recurrent respiratory tract infections, 
loose, greasy stools that are called steatorrhea, which is due to the lack of fat-digesting lipase enzymes, abdominal pain and bloating. Parents may report that the child tastes salty if the parents kiss them, and this is due to the concentrated salt in the sweat. And patients will have poor weight gain and poor height gain, which we call failure to thrive. Some of the signs that you may see on examination are low weight or height on growth charts, nasal polyps, finger clubbing, crackles and wheeze on auscultation of the chest, and abdominal distension due to the lack of digestive enzymes. It's worth noting that kids with cystic fibrosis may have clubbing of the fingers, and it's worth being aware of some of the other causes of clubbing in children. These are hereditary clubbing, cyanotic heart disease, infective endocarditis, cystic fibrosis, tuberculosis, inflammatory bowel disease, and liver cirrhosis. Let's talk about the methods for diagnosing cystic fibrosis. There are three key methods to establish a diagnosis that you need to remember for your exams. The newborn blood spot testing is performed on all children shortly after birth and this picks up most cases of the condition. The sweat test is the gold standard for diagnosis and we'll talk a bit more about that shortly. And genetic testing can be used to look for the CFTR gene and this can be performed during pregnancy by amniocentesis or coronic villus sampling or as a blood test shortly after birth. So let's talk more about the sweat test. The sweat test is the key investigation to remember for cystic fibrosis. It's the gold standard for confirming the diagnosis. A patch of skin is chosen for the test, and this is typically on the arm or leg. Then pilocarpine is applied to the skin on this patch. Electrodes are placed either side of the patch, and a small current is passed between the electrodes through the skin. And this causes the skin to sweat. The sweat is collected using lab-issued gauze or filter paper and it's sent to the lab to be tested for the chloride concentration. The diagnostic chloride concentration for cystic fibrosis is more than 60 millimoles per litre. Next we'll talk about the microbial colonisers in patients with cystic fibrosis. Patients with CF struggle to clear the secretions in their airways And this creates a perfect environment with plenty of moisture and oxygen for colonies of bacteria to live and grow. And some examples of common colonizers are Staphylococcus aureus, Haemophilus influenza, Klebsiella pneumoniae, E. coli, Burkholderia capacia, and Pseudomonas arginosa. A quick tom tip, the key colonizers to remember for your exams are Staph aureus and Pseudomonas. Patients with cystic fibrosis take long-term prophylactic flucloxacillin to prevent Staph aureus infections. Pseudomonas should be remembered as a particularly troublesome colonizer that's hard to treat and worsens the prognosis of patients with CF. Let's talk more about Pseudomonas arginosa. Once a patient becomes colonized with Pseudomonas, it can be very difficult to get rid of. Often these bacteria become resistant to multiple antibiotics. Colonization with Pseudomonas leads to a significant increase in morbidity and mortality in patients who've got CF. In the past, there used to be gatherings and social events organized for children with cystic fibrosis so that they can meet up and share their experiences. 
However, this was stopped due to the risk of spreading Pseudomonas. The general advice now is for children to avoid contact with other children who have CF. Cystic fibrosis clinics have separate clinic rooms for children with Pseudomonas and those without in order to minimise the risk of transmission. Pseudomonas colonisation can be treated with long-term nebulised antibiotics such as tobramycin. Sometimes oral ciprofloxacin is also used. So how do we manage cystic fibrosis? Well, cystic fibrosis is a complex condition that needs to be managed by the specialist multidisciplinary team. And there are many aspects to management. Chest physiotherapy several times a day is essential to clear the mucus and reduce the risk of infection and colonization. Exercise improves respiratory function and respiratory reserve and helps to clear the mucus. A high calorie diet is required for malabsorption, increased respiratory effort, coughing, infections and the physiotherapy. Creon tablets contain digestive enzymes, particularly the missing lipase enzymes that can be used to digest fats in patients who have pancreatic insufficiency. And these tablets are taken with meals and with snacks to help with digestion. Prophylactic flucloxacillin tablets are used to reduce the risk of bacterial infections, particularly Staphylococcus aureus. Any chest infections need to be treated as they occur. Bronchodilators can be used, such as salbutamol inhalers, to help treat bronchoconstriction. Nebulized DNAs, particularly Dornase alpha, is an enzyme that can be used to break down DNA material in respiratory secretions and this makes secretions less viscous and easier to clear. Nebulized hypertonic saline can be used to help shift mucus, and vaccinations need to be up to date, including the pneumococcal, influenza, and varicella vaccines. There are a few other treatment options. Lung transplantation is an option in end-stage respiratory failure. Liver transplant can be used in liver failure. Fertility treatment involving testicular sperm extraction for infertile males. And genetic counselling is required when patients are planning a pregnancy so that they know the risks of passing the condition on. Patients with cystic fibrosis are managed and followed up in specialist clinics, typically every six months. And they require regular monitoring of their sputum to check for colonisation of bacteria like Pseudomonas. They also need monitoring and screening for diabetes, osteoporosis, vitamin D deficiency and liver failure. Let's talk about the prognosis. The prognosis depends on multiple factors, including the severity of symptoms, the type of genetic defect, adherence to treatment, the frequency of infections and the patient's lifestyle. Life expectancy is improving and currently the Cystic Fibrosis Trust gives a median life expectancy of 47 years. 90% of patients with cystic fibrosis develop pancreatic insufficiency. 50% of adults with cystic fibrosis develop cystic fibrosis-related diabetes and require treatment with insulin. 30% of adults with cystic fibrosis develop liver disease. And most males are infertile due to the absent vas deferens. So thanks for listening to this episode on cystic fibrosis. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you found this podcast helpful and you want written notes on this topic, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Pediatrics book. 
You can also find full audiobook versions of the Zero to Finals books on Audible. You can find notes, videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the website at zerotofinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode where we'll be talking about primary ciliary dyskinesia.